Welcome to the Higher Learning Podcast with me, Oz Rashid. Our podcast focuses on the one thing every business leader must excel at when building a high-performance team, effective hiring. Identifying high performers that fit your team is not just an HR responsibility. It impacts every area of the business and all hiring leaders in your company. We're here to have an honest and entertaining conversation with different business leaders from a variety of industries to learn about new ways of identifying and engaging top talent in today's business environment. I'm your host, Oz Rashid. Welcome to another episode of Higher Learning. I am your host, Oz Rashid. Today, we have a very special guest. Today, we are joined by Chris Forney, Chief Financial Officer at Ocean Spray. Chris, how you doing? Hey, doing great, Oz. I'm so excited to have you on. I really enjoyed our pre-conversation. I know our listeners are going to love hearing about you and your story. I want to start right here. Let's go to the beginning. You spent your career in consumer packaged goods. And that's an industry that you've been committed to throughout your career. So I'm just interested, is that something you fell into? Is that something that you pursued right out of college? Like, help me understand how you got into CBG and made it this lifelong pursuit throughout your career. I lucked into it, to be honest. I started out in public accounting, like I would say all good accountants do, and passed my CPA, spent about four, almost five years in public accounting, and it just wasn't doing it for me. And so I was living in Nebraska at the time. I found my way to ConAgra Foods. And... I started out in audit, but what I found at ConAgra was I just found that it was relatable. It was an industry that I could just relate to and finance was different. CPG is dynamic. I found it to be challenging and it's rewarding. And I think that is what kept me from day one. I think it's where I first figured out in my career that I could have a job that didn't feel like a job. Hmm. And that's when I knew I had found my calling. And so back in the time when I started at ConAgra, we were splitting the accounting and finance functions. So there was a trend in the industry just in general that finance was really going to be that business partner. And that's where I really found myself. And I realized that finance wasn't just accounting. It wasn't just back office. It wasn't just you know debits and credits. And I learned to be a business partner. And I think that's what, you know, when you asked about how it's different in the CPG industry, I'm sure it's like that in other industries too, but in the CPG industry, you have to know the business. So in order to be a good finance partner, you have to bring that financial lens, but you've got to understand the business. Because if you just come in there and talk to marketing folks or sales folks or the teams about, well, I have this idea and here's, you know, A plus B, we'll see, they're going to look at you like, what are you even talking about? So it's really important to know the business. And so, you know, one of the things that's extra special for me where I'm at right now is that I have the honor to work for farmers as well. So Mm. Ocean Spray is a cooperative, so it's private, but a cooperative means that we're owned by the farmers and the growers are actually the owners of our company. So every day, our goal and what we're here for is connecting our farms to families for a better life. And that's really what it's all about. So CPG has taken me all over the place. I love it. Blood, sweat, and tears all the time, but it's ultimately, you know, challenging and rewarding. And I like the pace. I love that. I got to ask you a couple follow-ups here. So when I first started my career in recruiting, when I was working with a retail company, an automotive company, a financial services company, if it was a marketing role, they were always asking us to go to CPG because CPG has the most innovative and brilliant minds when it comes to marketing. And I'm just interested, like, How do you interact as a financial leader with marketing? How much is 
your current company and other CPG companies you've worked in driven by marketing? And how does that impact you as like a financial business partner? In most CPG companies, marketing really is the P&L owner. So they're the general manager. The finance partner, we're always paired right with them. I like to think of it as kind of a co-pilot or a business partner that's there. If they're out one day, who's going to talk about the business in a big meeting? It needs to be their finance partner. And so I've always approached partnering with my business partner that I need to know the business first. And the finance stuff is just what I bring to the table that's kind of that extra special piece. So finance folks sit in a unique spot because we see things from end to end. We see processes. The best finance folks are able to connect the dots. And so when you also understand the business and can connect the dots financially, it's really an unlock for the team. I absolutely love that. And I got to ask you, this is just a curiosity of mine. When you're walking down the aisle at the grocery store, are you like the Terminator? Like, are you looking up and just analyzing everything and looking at pricing and stock and everything like that? Like, what's your experience when you're walking through a grocery store? It's like you've been in the grocery store with me, Oz. I'm serious. <laughs> it's so funny. Like, my family hates to go to the grocery store with me. They hate to grocery shop with me. But yeah, I'm always looking at pricing. I'm always looking at, in a particular set, is there a different price point? Are consumers willing to pay more for, you know, a certain unique aspect about a line extension or something like that? So yeah, I mean... I like to look at, you know, like we're in the beverage business. So it's really important. Are we competing against others that are in? What know, are my competitors doing? PDT? What are they doing differently? How are they yeah. pricing things, right? Yeah, exactly. And I mean, the other thing is, is some people say, where do you shop? I don't shop at just one place on purpose because I like to see what our customers are doing too. How are we showing up at Walmart? How are we showing up in the drug channel? How are we showing up in a convenience store? How are we showing up in a club? So not an exciting part of my weekend, but I do actually go grocery shopping for fun. It's the gift and the curse because as an entrepreneur, I walk into small businesses at all times and I'm evaluating what's the ambiance in here? How quickly did they greet me? What does their menu look like? Like I can't get it out of my head. I'm constantly analyzing things at all times. So I figured it was similar in a grocery store. That's awesome. Like I go to Starbucks and I'm like, oh, they're selling this in Starbucks. Like, okay. You never can turn it off. I'll tell you what, your family doesn't want to go grocery shopping with you. When we get together, I'm going to go grocery shopping with you. I want to see the world through your eyes. Deal. You were talking about how you were in big four consulting and, and doing accounting, and you've been in some of the biggest cities in the world. I'm sure doing a lot of travel, Chicago, New York City, Boston, but you grew up on a farm. You grew up in Western Nebraska. And we talked a little bit about the cooperative and working for farmers. I'm interested. How has that kind of informed who you are as a professional? It's really exciting. I grew up in a really small town, like super small, Panhandle in Nebraska, 1,000 people, like in my town. Shoot. How big was your high school graduating class? Yeah, right. 25. Wow. Okay. So my agricultural upbringing it taught me a lot about, I would say just the main things are just hard work and values to start out with. And I can't actually think of a better parallel than what I fell into here at Ocean Spray kind of feel like I've been unknowingly working for this role for all of my life. Our company values grit. That word alone reminds me of my roots. It resonated with me from the very first time that I heard it. And then I learned what it stood for. And what it means here at Ocean Spray is the G is for grower mindset. Mm. So growers, farmers are very innovative. They're focused on the future, but they also see things that we don't see. They know about the climate. They know about water. They know about a lot of things that we think we know, but we don't know. We take for granted, for sure. Yeah, the G is grower mindset. So R is for results, and it's really about sustainable results. So we're focused on delivering results for our farmer owners. And the I is integrity, integrity above all. 
it really is just doing the right thing all the time. And the T is for teamwork, no surprise, and specifically inclusive teamwork. So we're looking to build diverse, inclusive teams here and strengthen our cooperatives. So the path to my current role, even though I didn't know it, I feel like I was working for this all my life. I have a deep connection to this cooperative. When I talk to the growers, and I've had the opportunity to do that even in my short time here already, it just feels like I'm talking to family. And I'm proud of everything we stand for. So it's really a special place for me to be. You really are tailor-made for the company you work for. I don't want to generalize, but how many CFOs grew up in a farm? I can't imagine that many. So the fact that you were able to find this organization, I bet when the farmers find that out about you, I bet there's a level of simpatico or a level of understanding that you have with them that they probably didn't think they were going to get from a traditional CFO. So I love that acronym. Yeah, it's great. It's funny. When we get together, my dad's a wheat farmer, so it's a little different than cranberries. So I'm learning a lot from the growers, but they always want to see, oh, let me see a picture of you know your dad's combine. Let me see his tractor. Let me see. So it's been a lot of fun. Is that you? Instead of showing kids on the phone, you're like, here's the tractor. Yeah, yeah, here's, here's the John combine. Deere. Here's my John Deere. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. So a big driver for you to go into the CFO role is you wanted to have readiness for this position. You wanted to make sure when you stepped into it that you were going to be able to perform at the level you know you were capable of. And that takes time. That takes experience. That probably takes a little bit of failure. What has changed in terms of taking this step up into the CFO role? And what's maybe surprised you? I would just say from a readiness perspective, I probably misjudge my readiness just a little bit. I think I've probably been a little more ready than what I gave myself credit for. I was one of those, oh gosh, I feel like I need to check every box. And I think that's important. You know, the diverse experience and making sure that you've seen all the different areas of finance, I think that's super important. It's good to have different experiences. I have big CPG company, I have smaller CPG company. And now, you know, I'm really kind of big, medium, and now medium again, only in the private, on the private cooperative side. I would say what surprised me, probably just how much you're involved in. Right. So, I mean, I can go from having a conversation about something really simple, like maybe it's a journal entry or, you know, closing the books to I was just speaking with our CIO moments ago about a big implementation business transformation project that we're working on here at Ocean Spray. So I love the variety. It can be from I'm looking close into what are we doing this week? What are we doing this month to what's our long range plan for the next five years and how are we creating value? So you know, to me, I knew that it was diverse and I knew that there's going to be a lot coming at you. But I would say I'm just surprised at how diverse my day can be. So that's a lot of fun for me. There's a lot of talk about imposter syndrome. And my take is that if you have a growth mindset, listen, every time you take on a new role, every time you step up into that next level, every time you step into a new company or industry, there's some level of imposter syndrome. There's some level of like, I have things I have to learn here. I am not the expert in this space. I'm not going to be the person in the room that's going to be able to guide and advise everything right away. Yeah. But I have a growth mindset. And so this imposter syndrome is temporary. And so I think we have to have a little more grace with ourselves to understand that we're not going to know everything stepping into the next role. That's not how that usually works. You usually have to get up there and then you have enough of the behavioral attributes and experience and knowledge to be able to eventually fulfill the needs and the requirements of that role. So I think that's an important lesson for you. You probably could have handled it much earlier in your career, but also it's good to have that readiness. I think as you go into a room and you're speaking with other C-level executives, you're leading a financial organization, I think that they probably respect the fact that you've been there, done that, seen everything in finance that you needed to see, been on the corporate side, been on the consulting side. 
I think that helps too. But I also think imposter syndrome is something we all deal with. And I think that's okay. We have to give ourselves some grace. Yeah. That's one thing I've definitely learned. I've also shared that with folks that I mentor as well. When they ask what's different, what did you learn? And I'm like, gosh, you know, it's only been three months, but if I would have been able to tell myself five, six years ago to trust your training, trust your practice, trust your experience, and know that you're not going to check every box before you're ready for that role, you get into the role and you have like any business that you're a part of, any team that you lead, your team is the most important part. And so you can't discredit the fact that you're going to have an expert. If you step into a CFO role, you're going to have someone who really knows tax. You're going to have someone who you're going to have a chief accounting officer or a controller who really you know, that's what they do. That's what they've spent their life doing. And so the treasurer here, he's very patient with me. He teaches me a lot. I don't know everything that he does. So it's fun for both of us. At least I think it's fun for him. <laughs> no, I'm just teasing. But, you know, you don't have to know everything. And that's something that I think is great for anyone who's thinking about that next level, whether it's in finance or whether it's, you know, you're a general manager and you want to be a CEO one day. I mean, Trust yourself. You got to figure things out. Almost like being a parent, right? Like you can get a bunch of advice about being a parent, but until you actually have a kid, it's a completely different world. You know yourself. How many times have you been thrown into a position where you didn't know anything? And did you figure it out or didn't you? Yeah. You on yourself. 100%. You got to trust yourself. I love that. That's a great message. Before we jump into the hiring questions, I want to ask you one more thing. Are there any kind of unusual perks or benefits for working for a company like Ocean Spray? One that I would say is terrific is just the participation in Harvest. So I was fortunate enough already at the end of April, I flew down to Chile with some of the leadership team and it's technically fall in Chile. It was at the end of April and it was right in the middle of harvest. So for me, it was super special. I got to get actually in the bog. And so, you know, you can see these folks behind me, they're actually working in the bog. And so that was me. I was actually harvesting in Chile in our crop this year. So you know, I think that's awesome. It's great to go into the plants. I've enjoyed getting, we got to go to our facility there in Chile as well. Get to see receiving the berries and just, you know, those kind of perks, I guess, to me, that's a perk. Heck yeah. You have to go to Chile, be part of the harvest, get yeah. to be in the bog. I mean, that's what's usually happening in the advertisement. So I think that's really cool. That's a really cool perk. It probably gives you a, a unique sense of the process too. And a great learning experience, I bet, on a lot of levels. Right. I mean, to be in the bog and see it and see the harvest. Most people think that cranberries actually grow in water and that's actually not true, right? But you don't know that until you- You're there and you experience it. You see it. Yeah, you experience it and it's just, it's quite a process. By the way, I just learned that. I'm getting better from this podcast. I appreciate that. Now listen, I love to talk about hiring, so I want to jump into it. You've obviously hired hundreds of people throughout your career. You've been in part of large enterprise organizations. Hiring has to have been a big part of your success. So- Let's dive in. I want to know a little bit. Let's start here. Do you have an overall hiring philosophy that you adhere to whenever you're bringing somebody onto your team? I do. And it's pretty simple, really. I'm always looking for what I term as athletes. And that resonates for me because I guess I was an athlete. But at the same time, I think it's really about that versatility. And I'm looking for talent that has the intangibles. I also refer to that as kind of what is your superpower? What's your differentiator? What differentiates you from other candidates? And so that really drills into the how of a person. I mean, the what you can see on a resume, right? What have they done up to this point? Where did they get their degree, et cetera, et cetera. But the how is so important. And I'm always looking for athletes. And, you know, back to the comment that I made about getting thrown into a position where you might not know what you're doing, an athlete can handle that. 
they've got some experiences that they can draw upon. They just can weather the storm. They can get knocked down a couple times and get back up and be like, I'm ready. I learned I'm ready. And so I just think that it's really about what are the intangibles? That's going to blossom into leadership one day. You can see it when you talk to folks. Discipline, drive. And listen, like with athletes, they've never been in the postseason before, but they know how to perform when they get there because of experience. They never maybe taken the last free throws in a championship game, but they've been enough experiences where they can apply it, right? They don't have to go through it every time to be able to be good at it. So I think that's a great mindset. Let me ask you, in terms of memorable interviews you've ever had, good, bad, you don't have to name any names, but maybe you were interviewing or maybe you were interviewing somebody else. Tell me something memorable that comes to mind. My most memorable interview as a candidate was I could just tell from the very get-go that everything clicked. I could tell that the interviewer, the leader that was looking to hire me was looking for someone that had my intangibles, what I believed to be my superpower. And I felt like their values were in line. I just got a super positive vibe and I knew that things clicked right from the start. So you can just kind of get that feel for, I can see myself here. I can see myself working every day with this individual And that's probably the best interview that I've had, the vision, the fit. You just know it's right. And I think that was probably the most positive experience. As an interviewer, I have a really memorable day back early in my career. So I was a director, I think. I was hiring for a couple direct from campus, direct college grads. And they came in, two of them, different interviews, but same day. They were very different individuals. One was just full of energy and very extroverted. One was extremely introverted, but he got it. You could just tell he got it. And so those two individuals came in and they were hungry. Mm. Their why was they wanted their first job. They wanted their first shot and they didn't have a job, but they showed a lot of drive in their own sort of way. One was like really outgoing and I could tell he had drive. The other was really thoughtful, but I could tell just from the way he approached certain things that he had that drive. He had that, what I call fire in the belly. And I could just tell that they were going to be learners from day one. And so the rest was history, right? Brought them in, gave them an offer. And even today, I still keep up with those two. One's actually a CEO for a smaller CPG company. Wow. And one is a CFO at a company as well. So We keep in touch regularly. If I texted them right now, they'd be like, oh, hey, I remember those times when we worked together. And, you know, you could just tell from day one that those are positive interview story there. A lot of times we're looking for mirroring when we're hiring. We want somebody like ourselves. And I give you a lot of credit for not just bucketing someone into the introvert, into the extrovert bucket. You looked at their why, you looked at their core, you looked at the commonality and you hired both of them and you had success with both of them. Whereas a lot of people might've leaned, eh, this person's a little more gregarious. And so I really appreciate that. Ah, this person's a little more analytical and that's what I'm looking for. You were able to kind of drive the thread of greatness through both of them. And just so interesting that they both had tons of success. So I give you a ton of credit because most people look at those things very superficially. That's why you're here. You got to dig deep. You got to get into the bog. Do you have a favorite question that you like to ask in interviews? I do. So it's about the differentiator. I really want to know what it is that differentiates a candidate. What about them differentiates them? And when they come back and say, well, you know, I've had supply chain experience and I've had brand finance experience and I've done sales finance, I'm kind of like, okay, that's interesting. But when they start talking about, I'm a great communicator, or I'm really good at building relationships, or I'm really analytical and I'm able to tell the story. I can work in the weeds and raise it up and go into a boardroom and tell the story. I can relate to the business or it can be a number of things. I mean, everybody's differentiator is different. 
And I'm really looking to hear what their superpower is. The other thing that it shares is how self-aware are they? Yeah. Do they know what they're really good at? And if they know what they're really good at, well, then how do we get that and make that just blossom? People are so fixated on what am I working on or what are you really terrible at, which we all have to work on things. But the reality is, is, you know, the 90% of you is what you're really great at. Let's be awesome at that and let's understand what that is and let's see how that can be beneficial to our team. What's cool is if you interview a bunch of people and you find out what their differentiators are and they're also very different, then you've got something really special because you don't have everyone looking the same. They're bringing something different to the table. And then that kind of elevates everybody's game. So that's what I like to ask. And that's kind of what I'm looking for. Yeah, I love that. I mean, I've said throughout my career personally for myself and people that have worked for me that there's always this thoughts about working on what you're not good at or your liabilities. And I've looked at it a different way. I've always thought, whatever your special powers are, you've got to lean into that and accentuate that. And then just make sure the things you're not great at don't become liabilities. Just get them to a certain level where they don't become your story. And then where people can really focus on what you're amazing at. Because trying to be great at everything, there's not enough time in the day. It's an impossible function. And then what's the point of having a team around you that can complement your skills? Lean in to what makes you great. And I think that's a really smart thing on your part, because I think if we get too focused on what we're not good at, then we start to dull what makes us special. The other thing I'll say, and I don't want to give away any of the secret sauce, but if you're going to interview with Chris and she asks you what your differentiator is, I think grit would be an amazing answer. Definitely. That'll stand out. All right, listen, we just gave it away. We'll know who listened to the podcast based on your interview. This episode is brought to you by MSH. MSH is an innovative professional services and SaaS organization serving customers ranging from startups to the Fortune 100. A truly global company operating in more than 35 markets across three different continents, MSH partners with their customers to build the teams that solve their biggest and most complex business challenges. Find out more at talentmsh.com. So when you miss, because we all miss sometimes, right? When you miss on somebody, right? What might you have looked back on and wanted to do differently? Is there a theme there that you might have missed and that you picked up on after the fact? We don't want to miss on anyone, but... I think it's important to make sure that as an interviewer, you're being authentic. You're being authentic about who you are. You're being authentic about where your company is at and what kind of journey you're on and be realistic with where you are because an interviewer is looking for fit in the candidate and the candidate is also looking for fit with the company and with the manager. And so I think where I've missed is maybe I didn't dig deep enough. At least when I go back, did I dig deep enough to really understand what makes that person tick and what they really are bringing to the table? Or did they have a couple things, but I didn't dig deep enough to understand, hey, this company is really messy or we're in a transformation and maybe that makes that person uncomfortable. And so you hire them and they're really super smart, but they're really uncomfortable with ambiguity. Well, I didn't dig deep enough to understand that. It's usually about just being honest with who you are and where you're at and then digging deep enough on the candidate to see if that's a good fit. I think it's a really salient point that you bring up. I have a client that they say that their interview process is 50% them asking questions to the person and 50% letting the person ask them questions. And I think we forget so much at the time. It's almost sometimes can be like a hammer nail type thing where I'm interviewing you, you want to work here. But sometimes the candidate has better idea of what works for them and they can find that out if you allow them the opportunity to ask more than 
one perfunctory question at the end. If you can let them really interview and say, is this a right fit for me? And I think if we really got to that level, we could hire with more certainty. We could have more people making good career decisions in addition to hiring the great people that we want on our team. Without a doubt. Love that. So in terms of candidate experience, I'm having all these ideas in my head on what it's like at Ocean Spray, but I'm just interested. Is there anything you all do that's unique or how do you give a realistic job preview of what it's like to work for you or to work at your company? I think it's important for folks to understand, gosh, I'm trying to think what's unique at Ocean Spray. I mean, obviously we talk about our culture a lot. We're very proud of our culture. We're very proud of what we stand for. We're very proud of the connection with our grower owners. And even if you didn't grow up on a farm, I can talk to anyone out here at Ocean Spray and they will tell you that it's the people and it's also that connection with the growers. And so that's what's special. I think we just have a positive experience through making sure that you have a diverse interviewer team where if someone's coming in to work in brand finance or in business finance, I want to make sure that they're talking to some of the finance professionals, but I also want them to talk to the business. Yes, they're part of the finance organization, but they're going to be spending most of their day working arm in arm with the marketing team. So it's really important for the candidate to have that full experience. We definitely talk about things that Everyone mentions Family Farm Day. I haven't experienced Family Farm Day here at Ocean Spray, but it's during harvest. In the U.S., harvest is in the fall, so it's coming up in October. And there's an experience where everyone in the family gets to come to Ocean Spray. So, like, my family can come to Ocean Spray and hop in the bog with me. And, you know, it's just really a cool experience. And I think that's something that's special. Even our folks on any team, we have growers who spend time and that we can listen to growers. Growers will just have like a podcast like you and I have almost, but they'll have like a Zoom call and they'll just hop on a Zoom and anyone can join and listen and ask questions of our growers. And we have various growers that have, have done that. I think there's been two or three since I've started here. And I think that's really popular and really positive. I think it's how we show up. So how the interviewers and the interview team shows up is usually pretty indicative of what the culture's like. You can tell when somebody's like, oh, they told me I have to do this interview versus, hey, we're trying to hire some really great talent and I'm vested in this experience and I'm vested in getting the right candidate for this role. You can tell when people show up that way. And I just think that's super important. So, and we have debriefs. We talk a lot about as a team. I think that's really positive. We talk in advance. So I've never gone into an interview or anyone who's interviewing a candidate that's going to join my team knows exactly what role it is, what we're looking for, if it was different, or if it's a new role, what are we looking for? And what do I want? So everybody doesn't ask the same questions, but we might say, hey, you're in marketing, don't worry about financial acumen. We'll have the finance team talk about that. Why don't you talk about the business partnering and really drill on that piece? We try to coordinate our efforts so that we don't overstep. It feels like the experiences, I answer the same questions four times with four different people. So we quickly huddle and make sure that if we miss the mark on the candidates that we get back to our recruiting team right away and let them know that, hey, this person was decent, but missed on A, B, or C. Recalibrate the search. We can share the feedback with the candidate to make them better. I mean, I got to tell you, a couple of things come to mind. One, you're definitely the type of hiring leader that I and we like to work with. You're engaged. You're thinking about the candidate and their time. You're being responsive. So love, love that. Amazing, amazing stuff. The other thing I would tell you is I think you said something really key. So I'll give you a little way of our secret sauce right now. We've built a formula 
on how we hire with more certainty at MSH. So our services and our technology stand out. And one of the things we do is we bring in stakeholders from outside your team who would be important to this person's success. Because I think a lot of times if you're working with somebody in marketing or supply chain or whatever it may be, we typically don't bring them in the interview process and then we drop them into this situation. And then if it's not a good chemistry, if there's not an alignment there, that can be a problem too. And that's something that you want to root out from the very beginning. So I love, love that. And I also, last thing, family farm day. Yeah. You think we could sneak me in as like a distant third cousin? Like what's the deal here? Can we get me in? Yeah, for sure. All right. Hopefully they don't listen to this pod. You and some waiters. That's what we got. I can't wait. No pun intended. <laughs> so last question. What do you think is the role of technology in hiring? What do you use to kind of keep everything organized? Like help me understand kind of what you do from a technology perspective when it comes to hiring. I mean, I just keep notes. It's hard because I don't take a ton of notes during the actual interview because usually I don't want to break eye contact or I don't want to, especially if it's on a call, I don't want to look like, hey, you're looking at the top of my head or whatever. So a lot of times I just schedule time right after the interview to just summarize my notes. And a lot of time I'll just type those up because ultimately those are going to get sent off or most of the time we have a live debrief with all the interviewers. And so, you know, it's just nice to have those notes, but I try not to break up the actual interview itself. For me, technology should be empowering the human connection, right? So it should be allowing you to be freed up, to be able to get all this information and to get these notes and things that you need to be able to make a great hire. Cause you'll forget if you go too long, like it doesn't sound like you do that, but some people will go, a couple of days and I'm like, oh yeah, let me think about that interview and write my notes. I've learned the hard way on that, right? I mean, usually do. And it can lead to biases. It can lead to forgetfulness. So I think it's really crucial that you do it right after the fact, but you know what? Technology should be empowering that. There's not a ton of that out there right now, which is why I asked that question. I love it. So let's dive into some follow-ups here. So I usually ask our C-level guests to tell me a little bit about their day-to-day, but you know, they tell me meeting after meeting. So I'm going to ask this a different way. When you've had a super productive day, at Ocean Spray and you get home at night and you feel really good about your day, what would happen? This time of the year in New England, it's beautiful. And so I would say getting out for a nice long walk. I live on the South Shore and I'm close enough to walk to kind of about a mile, a little over a mile to the downtown area. And so I would say that's a good motivation to go down and maybe have a drink. Is that your thinking time? Oh, definitely. Absolutely. My mind kind of never shuts off on some of the work stuff. But yeah, a lot of times I think of things when I'm walking, when I'm exercising, when I'm relaxing, whatever it is. I'm going to ask you a little bit of a personal question. Do you feel any type of pressure when you go out to get a drink, to get a crane and vodka? Oh, it's my drink. I'll be specific. It's vodka and soda with a splash of cranberry. Splash of cran. And it's got to be ocean spray. Send it back if it's not ocean spray. We always check. Yeah. I'm going to get one of those later this weekend in your honor. My commitment to you. We've made it easy. We announced a partnership with Absolute and it's coming out early part of next year. It'll start hitting stores, but it's Absolute vodka and ocean spray juice, cranberry juice. There's four flavors. One is just the absolute and cranberry, but it's already in the can, ready to drink, ready to go. Are we breaking news here on the Higher Learning Podcast? This is amazing. It's out there. Jackie, are you going to buy absolute and cran combo? She's into it. Yeah. I'm going to be so dad jokey here. The pun is intended. What are you working on right now that you're really juiced about? Probably the biggest thing that I'm excited about right now is, I think I mentioned it earlier, and it wasn't just because our CIO is in here, but- we are working on a business project, on a business transformation, improved processes and systems. And 
I really feel like it's going to be a huge unlock for our company. So, you know, it touches kind of everything and everyone. And we're really just getting off the ground with this project. And it'll streamline processes for our team members. It'll unlock efficiency. And we'll just work more effectively together. But it's going to be a huge lift, huge project. But I love those kind of challenges. I've been through a big transformation project in my past at a CPG company, and it was a lot of fun. And it was a lot of work, but it really did pay off. That's probably the thing I'm most excited about. And the other thing is just, as I come to Ocean Spray and I see the opportunity for our finance team, one of the things that I've talked to the team about and really launched on the team is this whole passionate business partner concept. And the good news is, is several folks in parts of the organization were already doing it. And we have the opportunity to actually elevate that even more. And it means bringing data, insights, helping our business partners make decisions and be confident about it, and ultimately connecting to the delivery of results. And how can we show up as partners to be part of that solution, opposed to, hey, we're just going to check the numbers. And so I'm super excited about our opportunity there, because I think that's going to put a whole new face to our finance team as well. Awesome. I love that. That does sound exciting. All right. So listen, now this is the part of the podcast where we typically bring up an old LinkedIn post and want to find out what you were thinking. I've got a bunch to choose from. Just now, I got handed the Absolute Announces new U.S. collaboration. So I'm excited about that. I also have what an incredible trip to Chile. And I have you in the bog and you're getting in there and getting hands dirty. I love it. But I'm going to ask you about this one. AG Day hits different for me this year. I've always been proud of my Nebraska agricultural roots. I'm thankful for my dad and brother and all the farmers who are working around the clock to keep families fed. I have a deep connection with the purpose of the historical agriculture cooperative here at Ocean Spray and I'm blessed and privileged to work hard for our farmer owners every day. Build on that for me. I love that. Powerful. I think that was like International Agricultural Day. It's super special here, right? I've always celebrated it with my dad and my brother. So our family farm, my brother is fourth generation. So my great grandfather started the farm years and years and years ago. So, and then my grandfather was involved. My grandfather taught me how to drive a windrower. He taught me how to drive a truck. I think I was 12, but don't tell anyone. But now I get to celebrate with our growers, as well as my favorite growers who are my dad and my brother. It hits extra special this year because of that connection with Ocean Spray and with my background is growing up on a family farm. Fantastic. You are so mission-driven. It's so admirable. I really, really love it. Like I said, I think you found your perfect role. All right, last question. If you were to amplify one nugget of career advice that maybe you didn't have early on in your career, but that you know now for some of our early in career listeners, what would it be? Pretty simple. It's three things for me. It's stay curious. So always ask questions. It's network, 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 network. It's all about who you know and get to know folks and just learn about what they do and you'll find your way. And the last thing is just never stop learning. Even today, I'm still learning. I say that to my kids. My kids are in college and I just, you know, they'll say, oh my gosh, we have so much homework. And I go, you're never going to stop learning. Just so you know, those are the things I think, stay curious, network, and never stop learning. I love that. I think those go hand in hand. I think those have been keys in my career as I look back. I think that is great advice. And any person getting started off should take those to heart. I always say, I'm not ready to be the CEO of a billion dollar company today. By the time we get there, because of my growth mindset, I'll be ready for it. So you always got to stay learning. I love that. Chris, I've had a really good time. I appreciate you coming on. I'm so thankful that everybody got to learn a little bit more about you and working at Ocean Spray. Thanks so much. I look forward to seeing you on Family Farm Day. All right. My pleasure. We'll get that lined up. Take care. Bye. All right, Chris. Thanks so much. 
Thank you for listening to Higher Learning with me, Oz Rashid. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review and be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode.